Welcome to the Slava Connection. Today we have a Kyrgyzstan-themed episode. We have two journalists coming all the way over from Central Asia. They've been in Texas for the last month. Hi, everyone. My name is Aigul. Hey, hi, my name is Erkenbeck. Erkenbeck is a media practitioner, and Aigul is a TV producer from Bishkek. And we talked about the current state of media in Kyrgyzstan, what the future might hold. So I hope you enjoy. You're listening to the Slavic Connection, brought to you by the Center for Russian, East European, and Eurasian Studies at the University of Texas at Austin. Cool. Well, welcome to Texas. Thank you. How has the last month been here, you guys? I mean, yeah, like last two, three weeks almost, like we're very exciting because we are placed in... Uh, Uh, media outlets, local media outlets. So it's a great opportunity to see how our U.S. colleagues work. Mm-hmm. So it's a great chance to learn from them. So we, of course, we are very happy and excited. A lot of thoughts right now. I mean, we have to, um, we have to think about this. I mean, maybe yeah, to uh, forgot this word in English <laughs> to reflect. No, oh right, no, no. Yeah, reflect. Yeah. Yeah. To reflect sure. on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> What have been the biggest things you've noticed working with journalists here compared to back home? Um, of course, if we compare, for example, uh, news reporters, how they work, I mean, news, uh, and investigation journalism, especially, of course, they have, uh, more freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have uh, access to public data. So they have, uh, this, I mean, they don't afraid to cover different topics. I mean, they don't like, uh, choose topics by, I mean, I mean, they don't think is it dangerous for them or not to cover this topic. So in our mm-hmm. countries, in our region, of course, it's a kind of different. I mean, right. yeah. So in this case, they have more freedom, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I would add to that uh, that here is newsrooms are larger, bigger, and uh, many journalists specialized in it. And they have own beat and own fields to cover. And they're well equipped, of course. And the news makers here more concentrate on the within state, like a mm-hmm. state. Texas is huge, so right. there's so many mm-hmm. things to cover. And I was also surprised that mostly it's like uh, news are more locals, local, mm-hmm. localized, like more concentrate on local issues. And are you guys both working privately right now? I know you said you're working for a private station. Um, yeah, it's a non-for-profit uh, mm-hmm. organization. Yeah, it's a media online media outlet. Okay, and I think that might actually what you said might be unique to Texas because Texas is its own country in America, pretty much. I mean, mm-hmm. everything you experience here, you're experiencing something very Texan. I don't know how much it extrapolates to America on the whole, but yeah, it's a, it's a very unique thing. Yes. Uh, well, each of us like uh, affiliate or based on the different media outlets here, local, and I am with uh, Texas Tribune. Mm-hmm. And it's also something like their business model is very attractive for us. Sure. Non-for-profit also. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much to learn. Yes. Yeah, very cool. So why don't you tell us about the documentaries we're working on? Um, yes, the documentary was about gender inequality, as I mentioned, and I was just curious because like our countries, post-Soviet countries, we, we gained our independence like almost at the same time in 90s. But this, the situation with like politics, economy, and like gender issues is, are, I mean, the situation is very different. I mean, varies in these countries. So I was curious, like, just to analyze and to compare. For example, in our country, we have a problem uh, which is called like bride kidnapping. Mm-hmm. So it's prohibited by the law, but still we have these cases when 
it happens. So and uh, in and I was just curious what is happening uh, in terms of gender inequality in Tajikistan, for example. Mm-hmm. And I found out that they have they don't have, of course, like bride kidnapping, but they have a problem. I mean, they have a kind of medical test. So, for example, if the couple wants to get married, they have to pass it's official. I mean, they they have it the law. They have to pass this medical test mm-hmm. to be sure that they are healthy, you know. But uh, um, in in uh, uh, it means that a girl should also like uh, prove that she's a virgin before right. she gets married, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents of these guys, they just uh, require this document. So, and I was really like embarrassed by this fact and I went there and just uh, found this girl I mean who was like who got married and then the guy refused to marry her because to stay with her because she he he, I'm sorry he decided that she's not virgin that she's not innocent anymore I mean it's crazy but yeah And are you getting pushback from the state when you're trying to make these things, or are you kind of doing it like on the quiet, trying to keep a low profile? So uh, in Kyrgyzstan, I mean, we call ourselves uh, like the island of democracy in Central Asia. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in terms of freedom of speech, and uh, I mean, the situation is more or less uh, good, I mean, in our country, but it's a very different like in Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan and Tajikistan of course and they cannot like cover this kind of topics Mm -hmm. so I'm probably like more lucky so I can do it I mean and Mm -hmm. I posted my TV channel uh, we I mean we already aired this documentary and you can also find it on YouTube and I'm just uh, I'm trying to also to finish right now English subtitles so Mm -hmm. international audience also can watch it online And so where would you guys put like Kyrgyzstan and Central Asian republics in terms of receptiveness towards private media or nonprofits? Because I know there's been a lot of push and pull between what's allowed in the last, you know, 10, 20 years. Well, uh, as you know, since we got independence in the early 90s, every country has chosen like in Central Asian region, every has chosen different path. So again, we... We wanted, uh, of course, we, at the beginning, we believed that once you achieve something in democracy, it will be a sort of uh, guaranteed place. But later we understood that it tends to be like fluctuate or right. the authorities try to always, I don't know if it is in their nature or not, I don't know. But uh, they try to also to impose some sort of uh, limits or mm-hmm. um, control uh, under the sort of uh, public security or such kind of things, but I would say that uh, people are receptive quite, and we have uh, private channels in this, especially in the capital city, mm-hmm. uh, private company, the TV companies, uh, media outlets, uh, online newspapers, yes, yeah. online, and uh, now like most of the people read news through their mobile phones. Mm-hmm. It's it's getting quite like um, the progress the. Pa- Pass or pace of the uh, process is getting like accelerated. Mm-hmm. It's very fast. It's, I don't know what about the na- neighboring countries, but there again, um, I would say our country more or less on that situation is better. And our civil society also is very strong one. I mean, especially mm-hmm. they're very active in social media. So if something happens like injustice, so it becomes like viral on Facebook, for example, and, and something can be changed. I mean, we already have these cases. I mean, mm-hmm. so yeah, our civil society is also like very strong and developing. 
but the, by no means we have to also <laughs> to take it for granted but we also that as i mentioned already uh, it's like uh, there's no guarantee that tomorrow or in the future that uh, the situation will get better or worse that so we have to work on that i think when we when i say we, we i mean we're like representative of civil society media ngos and also the local government as well have to like um promote or support this process i would say yeah we have i mean the positive thing that we have i mean uh there is a certain trust to media in our country so um people still perceive media like watchdogs and like yeah force power so it's good but at the same time we have cases when uh, opposition tv channel was closed for example recently we also have cases when um, the journalist who works for radio liberty branch in kyrgyzstan he was like beaten he was yeah and uh, he they took away his equipment his drone so he was shooting like the private property of one of the politicians who was like very corrupted person so we have still these cases so we try to struggle anyway i mean so yeah we have to be yeah aware that yeah of course we have this freedom but who knows like what will yeah. happen tomorrow for example yeah interestingly before it used to come like attacked or sort of suppression used to come by by the government uh, in previous regimes but in this time uh, i would say that more um, oligarch or let's say the um, what you call this business people, people. sort of uh, they don't they becoming less tolerant to for criticism from media and uh, that's why maybe they're like tend to what you call suppress or uh, trying to also to prevent uh look like let's say the free free media or uh, free flow of information when the, when the issue touches their personality or their business or their wrong doings yeah you guys preceded my question because we had the your colleagues on from Kazakhstan and they talked about how there's these constant cases of uh you know how the authorities come and you know take their equipment all that kind of stuff um and it's just important to point out that, that even though those kinds of things are much rarer in kyrgyzstan they still they still happen right it still happens yeah, yeah. like we had uh april tv channel right. it like uh it was it it belongs to ex-president uh, almasbek atambayev so uh-huh. now he's in the jail right so and he of course his tv channel was closed immediately So right now these journalists they just stay at home and they don't know how to 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 work. I mean, I mean they're trying to do something online right now, but still the equipment is there arrested and yeah, yeah. The yeah, sort of I would say the selective um replying selective approach to give to home to freedom or to prevent some organizations, I mean media outlets from broadcasting or from publications uh, i mean journalists uh, it's sort of like uh, it's like a very biased approach maybe from the from the government yeah. right mm-hmm. for example in our case also i work for private tv channel and of course we try to be balanced impartial i mean we try to be like real journalists but at the same time we understand that we have to be very careful i mean there is a certain like topic there are some certain topics that we probably won't cover i mean 
probably. But anyway, we still try to be like, yeah, so, independent. Uh, to some extent, we would say, would you say that uh, self-censure? Yes, yeah, so we have this problem yeah. of self-censorship yeah. as well, yeah. The other thing you guys brought up was international broadcasters like Radio Svoboda. And I was wondering, you know, wh amongst the Kyrgyz population, wh what are some of the international broadcasters or uh, media that people kind of use and listen to? Is it like BBC is really popular or Radio Liberty? Kind of what, what do people listen to in yeah. terms of international news? Yeah, Radio Liberty for sure. Yes, because, because we have the yes. branch you can talk about. Yes, uh, because uh, they, ha they also have uh, like a local branch and uh, they broadcast in uh, And local language. That's mm -hmm. why uh, majority has access to understand and listen them, mm -hmm. and also to follow their uh, news in on their website, which is in also in Kyrgyz language. And of course, I would say also BBC, but uh, also there's uh, they don't cover much um, local news. Local news yes. uh, but uh, among the international news uh, agencies, I would say that. Radio for Europe, Liberty in, uh, I mean, Kyrgyz service, Kyrgyz right. branch of this. Yeah, because of the quality of the content, for sure, it means they're very popular. Yeah. Because, yeah, yes. quality is good. Yes, and uh, in local language. I mean, it's interesting that you brought up self-censorship because, I mean, in America, you know, there's no legal means, but the court of public opinion has gotten so much stronger here that it isn't really any legal reason to suppress someone, but just people can just rally together and overthrow you for the smallest offense. Are you guys seeing that in Kyrgyzstan or Central Asian republics where it's actually people pushing against um, speech that they don't like and trying to censor free media itself? Mm. Or is it mostly government right now? Mostly government, for sure, yeah, not people. Maybe in the future, people also. <laughs> some 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 group of people. I would, when I say people, I I don't mean all the population of the country. I mean certain group. Maybe uh, they may not like in the future. Maybe the topic which you would critique uh, for uh, uh, like a free society or democratic society, free media. Maybe in the future we might face such kind of issues mm -hmm. that you're facing here in America. In the United States. We tend to come up with our specific issues here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a question kind of related to this that I asked your colleague, and I, and I actually ask a lot of our guests. So you guys are journalists, but you also care about your country and your you know, citizens of your country. How do you separate your role as a journalist, where your job is to be objective, from... Uh, your desire to be a citizen, right? And to participate in politics, for example. I mean, do, do you guys vote and participate in Kyrgyz politics or do you not because it's kind of against your uh, code as a journalist? Oh, of course I vote. I participate because I think it's, it's very important because if you, I mean, as a journalist, of course, I mean, I'm not covering politics. I'm, I'm covering more social issues, but Of course, I understand that. I mean, if you don't participate in your in the country's life, how how anything can be changed then? So, of course, you have to be active. You have to be. But a lot of young people who like studied abroad, they 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 live abroad and they they stay there. But a lot of people come back and they just want to change something. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yes. Uh... As like a good news will not come for free, I think. Um, and the, the content that we have to create also, 
requires us to be well aware of the situation or issues that we, we face. Um, I mean, ordinary Kyrgyz citizens face every day, Kyrgyz people face. So we, I, I, I would say we need to participate. Uh, and it, it uh, by participating, I mean, this is like a sort of you have to be proactive in, the, but it doesn't mean that you have to take sides uh, uh, of political parties or uh, politicians or some other uh, group of uh, interest group. Um, so by participating in the issues uh, in solving and we have to like we by publicizing or by publishing uh, and uh, we, we, we raise awareness of um, uh, citizens in our country uh, by writing our articles. Um, so it means that uh, by doing this, we are participating in the process of the country. And it's interesting that you actually asked that question. We had a political scientist on the show last year who talked about how the longer time people spent under communism, the less interest they have in democracy after the fact. Are you guys seeing that sort of demographic divide between older parts of your society and younger parts? Or is it sort of everyone's trying to go in the same direction but not quite sure how? It's better you <laughs> to answer this question. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, generally, I mean, uh, our people, uh, Kyrgyz people, uh, citizens of Kyrgyzstan are very politically active, especially during the uh, elections and uh, not only elections, but also um, when deciding and solving the issues. Uh, in general, like people are more politicized. Uh, I, I would say even uh, like over politicized <laughs> uh, in true. some issues. <laughs> and uh, this is because that uh, we had since, as I mentioned, that since we got independence in the 90s, 91, uh, people started to more interest active in, their, in, in the life of a young country. And uh, I would say that even all the generation are that they try. Of course, there's the people who are, have nostalgic about their past, about their the Soviet past. But uh, now we we are already like uh, quarter century mm -hmm. uh, history. We have quarter century of history of independence of, of our country, uh, and uh, people are, I would say, really active politically, uh, and. Mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, yeah, we also like exp you know probably that we experienced like two revolutions mm -hmm. since our independence. So, uh, and I re I read one article of Russian expert actually, and he and I really liked his opinion on this why it's happening like in Kyrgyzstan, why it's not happening like in Kazakhstan or Uzbekistan. So, and he was saying that probably it's because we weren't nomads, so we got uh, used to move from one place to another. So we don't like to be in one state for a long time. You know. <laughs> No? And I really like his opinion on this. I mean, that's why probably like when we are like not happy with one situation, so we try, we, stru we struggle, we, we have this rebellious spirit, you know. But Kazakh people, they also like were nomads, but, but probably he explains maybe they had this very strong uh, dictator from the very beginning. So they couldn't like change anything from the very beginning. I mean, and Uzbeks and Tajiks they were settlers and they got used to be in one state. They just uh, got used to wait to endure, you know, like a vessel. So you can pour the water in this vessel and they will wait. They will yeah, they're okay with this. So yeah, this is was like his opinion about our situation. So I really like it. A kind of like philosophical Never heard the vessel yeah. Before. yeah that's, yeah. that's interesting <laughs> and so i mean this what you guys are saying it makes me think that i mean you guys seem quite optimistic 
Um, and I think that's I think that's good. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, does that I mean? So I know that for in Kazakhstan, for example, they have a big problem with like you know the brain drain, so called, right? What is kind of the state of that in Kyrgyzstan? Is are are young people leaving the country? Are they coming back? Is uh, is there kind of an optimism amongst younger people that um, that's that wouldn't make them want to like leave the country or something like that? I mean, depends again. A lot of young people already left the country, I can say, because, yeah, we have, like, yeah, intellectual, like, mm-hmm. people. But is but, some of that just people getting education and then skills yeah, and coming back? Yeah, of yeah. course, they want to work for international companies and they understand that there are, like, many opportunities for them, probably more opportunities, opportunities than in our country. But I also see the cases when they come back, and they begin participate in politics. They begin to participate like in local business. So I mean, they start their local business because again, in our country, it's easier to start something by yourself. I mean, they just learn from uh, their colleagues like from abroad, and then they come back and start their own businesses in Kyrgyzstan because it's a good chance to also to start something your own. I mean, your own, yeah, in the country. Yes, so. uh, there's still the issues of migration that. Uh, Many we have many people, young people working in outside of our country because of um, like, uh, lack of job opportunities and unemployment, and uh, young people who goes to who go to study to other countries. Uh, they some of them left there, some of them come back and do even start their own business. And uh, but also we have people who are just get their citizenship, like for example, many people in Russia, they don't have other choices, so uh, they try to get their citizenship and work there, and so even the Turkey, South Korea, they go to that countries, and to Western countries to study and work. Uh, we have, there's still a migration, but as I said, uh, we have, it's interestingly last three, four years, we, we're noticing that young people want, who, who got once education and work opportunities in outside countries, they're starting to invest. Um, but again, the, our country is not a big country. So there's a limit of um, opportunities uh, in terms of like, we are not like vast, uh, big country. And so this, but every year more and more graduate uh, from local universities and they're educated and they need some opportunities. So in pursuit of their uh, career opportunities, uh, they try to also to find their luck other countries. So they're moving and those some group coming back. And do you guys see Russia as the most popular place that young people are going to study or do you see more increasing in China and in Europe and America? Or, I mean, is there any sort of like, you know, when you pull young people saying like, which country would you most desire to go to? Like, is there anyone emerging or is it kind of oh, diverse? Right of now? course, among young people, there's the United States and Europe uh, or English speaking countries are popular because mm-hmm. uh, the English is getting popular in our country as a language. And uh, uh, I would say as a top destination for study and even workers, they would, um, they prefer uh, the Western countries, and there's also some emerging that the ch- uh, people, uh, some emerging the trend that uh, now more and more people also uh, want to try their luck in neighboring countries like China and uh, Russia. But uh, I would South say, Korea yeah, South well. Korea. And since uh, not many people have a good command of a foreign language like English, they don't have other option but uh, Russia uh, and. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, we have like more than uh, 500 uh, thousands of labor migrants in Russia. So yeah, it's, it's a lot. Yes. And, yeah. For six or seven million person country, yeah, that's pretty remarkable. And yeah. so I asked that question too, because have you seen an increased Chinese presence in Kyrgyzstan? I know with the Belt and Road Initiative, they're not so sneakily moving into a lot of <laughs> neighboring areas. Um, if you guys could comment on that. Yes, the we have more now. I would say, compared to previous years, we have more um, uh, disagreements and conflicts with uh, uh, Chinese companies who are which working and which functioning in our country, and uh, mining country uh, mining companies uh, because not only because they are Chinese, but because they don't um, they violate so they do violate. Uh, local rules i would say the also the environmental issues when they do their mining uh, gold and other um, uh, minerals uh, they they violate uh, the they do harm to local uh, nature so that's that makes them angry that make people local people angry towards them and they start to protest and even there were some conflicts in this year and in last i mean last year and uh, also the more road constructions work also given to Chinese companies that also make younger uh, younger younger population angry because uh, they, they like uh, question why those jobs not given to us but Chinese mm-hmm. uh, such kind of um, and also the one thing I have to note that neighboring uh, neighboring area in the West China west part of China they also we have our like Kyrgyz mm-hmm. people, Kyrgyz mm-hmm. tribes who are uh, living there for many centuries or for many years, as uh, like all Kazakh, Kazakh and Uyghur. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we have also our popula- uh, our people in on that part of China, in west part of China. So the, when they when we hear uh, when we learn how they are treated by the government of China, we get of course frustrated and uh, go for like uh, to express our protest also. Yeah, we also have uh, cases when they, because of the corruption again, corrupted system, they get easily the citizenship of Kyrgyzstan, Chinese people, and they marry uh, Kyrgyz girls as well. So it becomes more and more popular, I mean, spread, widespread, yeah. So of course it's not, I mean, we are not very happy with this situation also. Well, you kind of answered it there. I can tell by the tenor of how you're speaking. Um, <laughs> it seems China's been more successful business-wise than socially in these countries. You know, you guys seem to it seems the young people still see America and Europe as you know the ideological options, while mm-hmm. China's been a little more uh, cynical in their interests in Central Asia. Do you right. think that's shared with Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, or do you think China's been more successful there? Oh, yeah. Interestingly, yeah. Uh, despite of uh, despite being uh, despite China being our neighbor, uh, historical neighbor, we are it's uh, least and un- mis- least understood maybe among population. And the, I would say by saying that I would say that there is no like cultural bonding or right. relationship. And uh, as we have uh, like neighboring countries, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan. Again, this is like more economic. I think I would say more economic, uh, more like and. As you mentioned, uh, BRI, uh, Bed and Road Initiatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's economically, and the people, uh, we, we also, our government also receive um, financial, I mean, economic aid uh, 
from China, like one third, one third of GDP. I did want to ask about your your experience right now. How you feel like your experience now is going to prepare you to uh, be more effective uh, in the future, and also just like what you're noticing about the United States and what's interesting and what、mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Is it your how many have you guys been in the United States before?、Or? I I was once okay, well, in 2016. Okay,、yes. still a while. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I also in the same year, but in different program in different part of the United States,、uh, like in the north.、Uh, And this is this, this is south, and this is different, and I find very interesting, and of course different than our region.、Uh-huh. And、uh, it's like huge state, and、uh, it's like twice or three times than our <laughs> countries maybe,、yeah. and、uh-huh. so many to explore. But we are here like for one month. Yeah, we are placed in media outlets. So I'm placed at KXN TV channel, and they also have their own website. They're really good in news and investigations. And、uh, I was surprised to see how they work. For example, they're very, I mean, they high qualified professionals, and they focus on MMJs. It means like multimedia journalists. So it means that one person like shoots, edits, finds stories,、so、like does everything by himself that's, or that's herself. That's so cool.、Yeah. Even drives a car and then yeah <laughs> takes his camera yeah and goes shoots and then edits, writes. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and we are like back home. Our colleagues, for example, my colleagues, they usually complain. Come on, international reporters, they walk like in a big cruise, and we should should do everything by ourselves. Come on, <laughs> yeah. So right now, I'm when I back when I back home, I. I will say, come on, guys. Even you know, our U.S. colleagues, they walk like this, so don't complain anymore. <laughs> and they even like take shots by on on their cell phones, so just to have like fresh angles, so, yeah, like extra shots. So it's cool.、Yeah. I was also surprised to find out that everything what is like in media that which has a like website and hard copies, they, you can find like the same thing which is in hard copy. You can find it on their website. And it is mostly like available,、mm-hmm. which is、uh, difficult. For example,、uh, in our country, you have to sometimes, not sometimes, most of the time, to pay, you have to pay to read、uh, full content. Or、uh, yes, that was、yeah. striking. Well, I mean, even here, stuff is becoming more monetized,、uh-huh. and it was it was a really big crisis in journalism, right? When the beginning of the, as you guys know, right,、yeah. right, when Facebook and stuff and these things were getting shared, and then you know all these. Places didn't have any way to、um, uh, make money, and so yeah, that that that's an interesting point. Is in Kyrgyzstan the kind of they have like a paywall and well, we have、lot. like、uh, for example, Akipress, the information agency. Also, the they have, but this is online media outlet. But they have also the、um, pages, online pages,、uh, sites that, which is、uh, free, and、uh, some topics are、uh, paid. Like you have to pay for to read、uh, that. You have to. Pay to get in order to get access、mm-hmm. to the、uh, publications. But we have also other. There's also, of, of course, options. You can read,、uh, but some interesting topics and details <laughs> you have、mm-hmm. to pay. I mean, that's such a funny conversation too, because I think in America before Trump, there was this real crisis in media.、Mm-hmm. Like all these papers were shutting down. There wasn't enough active users. 
And then Trump gets elected, and he's so negative towards the media that it created this whole interest in needing more diverse media, and people are probably more interested in who they're reading, why they're reading it, and how they're sourcing it. And they became way more willing to pay for their journalism. And so, like, subscriptions to Washington Post, New York Times just, like, went through the roof. And so... um, Perhaps our country, like, like still majority, like, um, economically... Yeah. Stagnated uh, the country itself, uh, and also population uh, poverty still there. The, mm-hmm. yes, uh, the level of poverty is still yes, high, yeah. and uh, no, maybe pe- people even they would like to pay, but they're not uh, what you call they they cannot afford maybe mm-hmm. at this stage of the. And time. also maybe it's we have to change the style of thinking. Mentality. You know? yeah. yeah, mentality. Probably we need time to to yes. come there. Yeah, and sure. uh, as you mentioned that the same. A crisis that uh, more or less happened uh, in in our region that we used to have so many um, hard copy like newspapers mm-hmm. uh, and then rapidly with the acceleration of internet access and uh, mobile internet and purchasing so many people start, we didn't expect that and we didn't it, it was unimaginable to see that everyone uh, young young people and the school children will have everyone will have mobile phones uh, very in a very like a short time mm-hmm. period so this process happened in a relatively short time period like we so many newspapers went bankrupt and uh, they went some of them went to online and so people now want to read uh, online and through mobile their uh, that news news uh, it's like a, a ongoing process and uh, as journalists as a professional also went like rapid and uh, very intensive uh, transformation uh, so so many it's not uh, as used to be <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. so profitable business maybe but still uh, as you mentioned that uh, good content uh, requires also the financial support I meant to ask this earlier, actually, but what percentage is public and private media in Kyrgyzstan? In 2016, we switched to digital broadcasting. And right now we have like more than 60 TV channels in our small country. It's a lot, actually. yeah. And a lot of, I mean, most of them are like, uh, just like they show not, I mean, illegal content. So they just download the content from YouTube and they just show it. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so we try to to fight against it because like we are like a TV channel with our own production. So it's not good for us when we lose our ad- advertisement, for example. Uh, but we have around like, in, I mean, if we talk about TV channels, so we have about 60 state TV channels and others like they are private, yeah. Yeah, but they're small, I mean. We have private, maybe also four or five private TV channels. I mean, big TV channels, those who have their own production. Others are just like, yeah, it's about piracy, you know. So, And now we have a law that uh, we have to produce, 50% we have to produce in local language, and 50% should be like um, local production, yeah. So we also have to, I mean, we, we try to get rid of Russian TV channels as well because they're still popular. We have a huge influence from Russian TV channels because of the quality of the content, especially entertainment content. Content is, is better, of course, because they have budgets, they have equipment, they have experience. Yeah. So and we try also to improve our content, that's why. 
So we were retranslating uh, Russian TV channel and, and TV. And like two years ago, we yes, just stopped to retranslate it, just to improve our content, to develop our content. Yeah, I mean, that, that brings up another interesting topic. You guys know in Kazakhstan, they're having this change of the alphabet. Was anything like that discussed in Kyrgyzstan? Or? They were discussing. One of the politicians proposed it, but yes, it was like, yeah, no one like supported him. And it was like, just like an idea, crazy idea. <laughs> yes. Uh, Hopefully. As, as you know, the Russian yeah. has a, a status, a status of um, official language. It's official of, language uh, in our country. The, uh, that, uh, yeah. State language, Kyrgyz language. And... Um, But interestingly, the there was survey. There was survey. I think done by Internews or by mm-hmm. other. I don't know uh, the. I forgot the name of the organization. But there were surveys that came out. That findings of the survey um, shows that um, more and more and people now um, would like to read uh, in local language. That's something new trend. And of course, there were people who were already reading in Kyrgyz language and local language, but. Uh, number increasing and the number who are reading the news in the Russian mm-hmm. language is decreasing. What uh, we've noticed also, like we have our own YouTube ch- channel, I mean, and it has like, we have four silver buttons. <laughs> yeah, look very successful in this. So, and we've noticed that uh, Kyrgyz content in Kyrgyz language is more popular. It gets like more views. So it means also that, yeah, the audience who speaks who watch, who consume and use or content in Kyrgyz language. It's like, it's larger. But, but you yeah, still, larger. you also still have content in Russian. That of you course, make. like we, we have a law that 50% of content should be in Kyrgyz language, 50% in, in Russian. Oh, wow. It's a law. I, I didn't know yeah. that, that to that extent. Yeah. Wow. Well, then I'll have to find your Russian language stuff because that's, that's quite um, yeah. that's yeah. Especially in the capital city. Yeah. People still... Uh, and is, so is Russian, is that the... the 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 second language that's taught in schools still is yeah it? we have Russian schools we have Russian, yeah. yeah Russian schools yeah. where everything like taught in Russian and yeah that, that, and that's just, fascinating to me just because so I know that Kazakhstan is still quite close to Russia politically but they are trying in terms of language they're trying to make English the first second language and they're changing the alphabet but in Kyrgyzstan we have the opposite case where Russia has kind of or Kyrgyzstan has kind of moved away from Russia politically but kind of culturally and in terms of language Ru- Russia and Russian language is still quite prominent is that basically correct? Or? No we're also like very connected in terms of politics to Russia yeah. of course yes. I mean but uh, I mean we try to be in the middle somewhere because <laughs> yeah we also try to be friends with the US and, and with Russia because again like Now they're trying it. Yeah. Of course, I, Russia, we, we shouldn't forget that Russia also investing in a lot the of media money. industry, yeah. especially the state-backed in media industry, and uh, also they're promoting it in neighboring countries, including our country. Uh, we have uh, Russian channels, and also the, they're trying to also broadcast or in local language their, their agenda, mm-hmm. their programs, their content, and uh, local language, uh, along with their Russian language. Uh, that's they try to capture or the cover issues. And as I mentioned, a lot of people now work and live in Russia, so we are very dependent from them. I mean, economically, right economically, yeah. Yes, and so the Eurasian. We are also member. Of our yeah. country is also member of Eurasian Economic sure, Union. Right, right. And mm-hmm. there's still still a, a Russian military base in Khan town. Yes, mm-hmm. but we try to produce more in Kyrgyz. Right now, it's a kind of strategy, yeah. Yes. And the people choose their, themselves what to read, and 
the since local now is more um, would like to, I mean trying to consume the language in their own mm-hmm. language content. sort of journalism or media taught in schools to say in high school or even at a younger age as it's kind of something that needs to be discussed how it's important to have private media and people can say what they like and that's sort of a given in some places it's it's a strange thing to be like no this is a necessary thing you need this do you guys know how that's talked about how you know younger people are learning about it journalism i would say rediscovering itself as a profession but the interestingly in the in my town we are like certain city in in the country uh, Jalalabad where I'm from uh, and the interesting the journalism department like uh, they didn't have enough students so they say closed but uh, journalists who are working uh, in the media outlets in lo- in, in the province in our town uh, they also like going uh, to build their capacity they're trying to go participate in different projects which is going also mostly in the capital city. They're trying to also to innovate and uh, new type of, they're trying to suggest for public new type of journalism. There's still difference between just uh, writing something on social media, but also doing it professionally. And there's still the people feel that distinction. Yeah, I mean, we still have problem with media literacy, for sure, because we begin to talk about freedom of speech and uh, yeah, only in university when you, if you study journalism. I know that in the UK, for example, and for sure probably in US as well, uh, you start to talk about this, I mean, even like in elementary school, yeah, so they have this news nuggets clubs when you talk about this, about government, about media, the relationship between government and media, like with, with pupils, but we don't do it, I mean, unfortunately, so... Yeah. So, at least for me, that kind of begs the, the question. I mean, how did you, how and why did you guys go into journalism? Because I, I know that in the United States, right, there was, for example, um, the the Watergate scandal mm-hmm. and the film All the President's Men that like spawned a generation of, of journalists. Was there a was there a moment? Uh, was there anything like that in in your lives that really um, inspired you to go into journalism, particularly in a time when it wasn't particularly popular, probably? Revolutions, yeah. I, I assume. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so which one? In the, the fall of the Soviet Union or the Tulip no, Revolution? No, no. Or? Yeah, Tulip Revolutions. Yeah. I mean, the first and the second one. Probably. 2005, 2010. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so. In my case, I would say that it's, it's sort of um, promised um, so many capa- uh, like, uh, opportunities. Uh, and uh, uh, the... One attractive thing of the uh, attractive thing of this profession of this field is like uh, you don't do the same thing every day like mm-hmm. <laughs> like banking yeah. that you don't come every day to the same yeah. I mean to the office and sit from uh, five to uh, from from nine to five uh, and uh, you have to be like uh, every day you have to write something new. And you don't have to limit. In, you know, you see that uh, in our newsroom, we we, can, we are not only specialized in one topic or one field, like economic journalism or economic department, economic issues or political or social issues, but we have to cover everything which is important or which is uh, hot news within our um, 
country and visit our region. So it it's it gives me like every day you should be like uh, awake, proactive, mm-hmm. and uh, very um, like uh, strive forward to find out new materials and to uh, to sell it or to provide it. To, mm-hmm. So this this kind of thing uh, attract also it's not like it's not at least it's not boring mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. and also the uh, what gives also advantage for us um, of course we have many good very good professional strong journalists in the region as well in the in the, as well as in capital city but the thing is like um, there are not many so, not so many journalists who are speaking foreign languages English I would say or mm-hmm. Chinese or other languages so it also gives us to write or to prepare materials uh, to contribute materials for us international news also that also yeah, and we, when you understand then that you can change something I mean when you see the cases of injustice for example and you know that by by doing it and by covering it by raising this topic you can change something in your society for the benefit of this society of course it inspires and motivates to 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 continue your job your work so yeah maybe it's the main thing. That's a great point to end on. We're on the edge of our time. I just want to say thank you, guys. This is like thank exactly you. the reason I wanted to start podcasting to speak with people with your kind of background. Uh, before we go, do you guys want to say the name of a YouTube channel or maybe advertise some some of your work so our listeners can check it out? Oh, yes. I hope I will complete English subtitles for my <laughs> first documentary. And yeah, please come and check the our youtube channel nts kyrgyzstan yeah and uh, don't forget to check uh, the online uh, media versia.kg well thank you so much it's fun (laughs) thank you yes thank you for your time and thank you for inviting us here the views expressed on this episode do not necessarily reflect those of the show or the university of texas please visit slavxradio.com for more information thank you for listening The Slavic Connection is produced by the Center for Russian, East European, and Eurasian Studies at the University of Texas at Austin. Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Mirta Vashelovic. I'm a global policy student at the LBJ School. I study European policy, and I'm here with European Horizons to invite you all to attend our event on November 22nd that's going to be focused on human rights and multilateral settings. We have two amazing guests coming. One is Alexander Schutzman, who is a senior advisor at the office of the president of the UN General Assembly. And the other one is Ambassador Silvio Gonzalo. He is a deputy head of delegation of European Union to the UN. Both are great delegates, great EU experts, and we think it's going to be an amazing event. So please show up. It's going to be fun. And see you there on November 22nd.